Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in New York City. And I want to start off this episode this week with uh, a little bit of a blush of embarrassment as I didn't realize that the uh, fun that I was poking at Cleveland's Jack Casino last week would uh, make it back to not only the poker room director there, which is uh, a gentleman named Chris Lowe's, but also to the poker tournament director at the Jack Cleveland, who is a gentleman by the name of Joe Sheppis. I probably mispronounced both of their last names, but I'm doing my best. Um, Guys, you know, it's all in good fun. I did mention that I have family in Cleveland and friends uh, throughout Ohio, so no hate was intended, but probably the most embarrassing part of all was that my opponent in the hand, which you might recall last week, I had check raised bluffed him on the river and he confidently folded because he was certain that I was not among the three players in Cleveland who could potentially check raise bluff anybody on the river like ever. Uh, yeah, well, he apparently heard the episode too and has vowed publicly on Twitter to, uh, in his words, tone it down a bit. <laughs> so anyway, guys, look, I, you know, it's all in fun. I am a comedian. I did not mean to offend anyone. You guys seem like you have a great sense of humor about it. And I think that's true of people in Cleveland in general. A lot of jokes are made about Cleveland. Cleveland is kind of like a punchline. And by the way, for the record, I don't think that it necessarily deserves to be. But yeah, uh, a little foot and mouth disease (laughs) after that came out on Twitter. I had so many notifications, people talking about the episode. And I know some of those people don't know me very well. So I hope that they realize I was uh, very tongue in cheek with some of my comments about Ohio and uh, Cleveland in particular. So yeah, all love to Cleveland, even as your team is playing mine in baseball this week. For those who don't follow Major League Baseball, uh, it is incredible that the Orioles at this point on September 1st, as I'm recording this episode, have a winning record and some outside chance at a spot in the playoffs when they were actually expected to lose 100 games this season. So, uh, yeah, baseball has been a lot of fun. And, of course... David Tuckman did not bet me a large sum of money the one year that the Orioles are any good, and I have no action on it with him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> something that happened over the summer I want to tell you guys about. I played in the Lucky Sevens tournament, so this year they got rid of the 888 tournament and changed it to a 777 tournament, which was a really good time. A WSOP event at that buy-in level is going to attract a very large field. Obviously, plenty of weekend warrior types, um, business people who want to play a little poker on the weekend, can take a few days off and go to Vegas or what have you. So it was a really, really fun tournament. I was doing great in it, and I took a pretty bad beat where I got it all in 
with pocket queens versus ace queen and i'm not telling you to tell you the bad beat story but more about what happened afterwards i was pretty disappointed because things have been going swimmingly up to that point and uh but you know what the guy that beat me he seemed to be a, a nice enough guy we were having a lot of fun at the table and so i didn't want to be angry at him for making the loose call with ace queen suited and sucking out on my pocket queens instead i just said you know nice hand good to play with you guys and was making my leave from the table and it turned out that the player who busted me out of that tournament although he hadn't mentioned it earlier knew who i was uh he goes hi my name is danny um i i'm a regular listener to your podcast i just wanted to let you know that i'm interested in sponsoring the podcast well danny is a businessman he's also a tech guy he has a website called sitesoptimized.com so what they do is web design and web redesign and of course seo search engine optimization services so that that's when people are searching for your business or for your website danny's company helps people find you so again the site is called sites optimized it's s-i-t-e-s-o-p-t-i-m-i-z-e-d.com and because you are a listener to the tournament poker edge podcast danny has agreed to provide you with a free mock-up a homepage for your website uh, you know free of charge take a look at it if you like his work you guys can work out a deal it's all good uh, his prices start at $299 for web design and only $195 a month for SEO services. Uh, you know, he's one of us, guys. He's a regular listener. He heard me saying that we need sponsors. If you have a business that needs a website or a website that needs more eyes and clicks, talk to Danny at sitesoptimized.com. Okay, next I want to talk about this ridiculous non-story in my opinion that came out this week concerning Espen Jorstad who spoiler alert won the 2022 World Series of Poker main event well apparently there was some kind of confusion on the part of Alex Theologis who uh, is a Greek tournament player and friend of Espen's by the way I met Espen briefly at a uh, little house party that happened right at the end of the World Series of Poker. He was already the champion, so that's how late in the game this particular get-together was. Uh, Only talked to him for a few minutes. Really super cool, very chill, very uh, respectable young man. Well, apparently, if you haven't heard the story, Alex claims that he and Espen agreed to swap 3%. So, for those who don't know, swapping means that you and I are both going to play in the same tournament. So we're basically going to back each other with some piece of the pie. So if you said 3%, maybe I would say we each have 3% of each other's action without any actual money changing hands. We just agree to split this percentage of equity in the tournament. Now, every single time I do this, I don't do this very often, but I, I certainly do it with some names that you might recognize in the main event and even though some of these people we have been doing this for 10 or 12 years now what i'll do with each one is casually text hey what day are you playing the main i'm doing one c one d whatever it is 
and we're still on for 2%, 3%, 5%, whatever it is. So all of my swaps, we have a confirmation text, and if it's not confirmed, it's not booked, okay? Well, this guy, Alex, says that they were talking about it at dinner one night, and yeah, he couldn't, he never confirmed it via text, and there seemed to be some confusion on Alex's part, and unfortunately for him, Espen did not remember the conversation, and he had only met Alex a few times and had never swapped in anything else. So yeah, dude, I'm sorry, but if you don't have any proof that the champ agreed to give you 3% of the $10 million prize, uh, you're not getting your 300K just by uh, saying, hey, don't you remember we swapped? Anyway, the whole exchange has been extremely respectful. I hope it stays that way. Um, the language has not escalated to, hey, you lying criminal, you crook, you're trying to cheat me out of 3% or anything like that. It's just been, oh man, I think we were both drunk. We had dinner that night or we were walking back to the casino and we agreed to this, but I never confirmed it via text. Just, you know, cautionary tale, guys. You want to always confirm whatever staking agreement, any bet you might make with somebody, like even in the aforementioned baseball bets that I made in years past with David Tuckman, until somebody writes booked, it isn't booked. So just, you know, do yourself a favor, get everything in writing. You know, I don't know if text messaging would hold up in a court of law, but I don't see why it wouldn't. You know, but certainly telling somebody that we had a drunken conversation at dinner where we agreed to swap 3% is not going to win you any major cases. Uh, again, it doesn't appear that this is going to court or anything like that. But yeah, I feel like your stod is handling this like an absolute gentleman. And if you ever come into $10 million, there will be a certain number of people that will come to you and say, hey, can I have some money? So you have to be careful. 10 million can go really fast. Uh, but yeah, he's handling it great. They have a lot of mutual friends, obviously. And it is feasible that some conversation took place. But Espen Yorstad does not remember it. And Alex Theologius has no proof. So by now you can see why your boy is calling this a non-story. Some other things going on with me. I've been doing a little bit of private coaching. Uh, by the way, if anyone out there is interested in having me as a private poker coach, believe me, I don't think that I am the uh, greatest poker player in the whole world, but I think I've learned a thing or two in my 20 plus years of playing, and I do have some room in my schedule for another student or two, and my DMs are open on Twitter at Clayton Comic. So yeah, I've been working with this gentleman uh, in preparation for a big tournament that he wants to play that is somewhat out of his typical price range. And what I'm learning from the two or three sessions that we have had is that my basic philosophy of teaching anything or coaching anything or learning anything is that you want to start from a wide angle view, like a macro view. We opened up by talking about what is your mindset? What is your general playing style? What mistakes do you think you generally make? Things like that so that we can get kind of a bird's eye view of what exactly is going on and what this person is trying to improve upon. And then we zero in to specific hands he played or specific decisions that he might have made in this hand 
or that hand. And of course, looking because he plays online at his all-important HUD statistics, which you guys, many of you heard me learn more about in real time from Jason Smith here on this very podcast. So if you're looking at HUD statistics over 100,000 or 500,000 or a million hands, that's you know the ultimate bird's eye view because this is what you do repeatedly. Am I aggressive enough? Am I too aggressive? Do I three bet too often? Do I not fold often enough on the river? So by identifying your mistakes generally or the parts of your game that you want to improve generally, it becomes easier to then focus specifically. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think he is too. I haven't really worked with someone. He's at a somewhat advanced level. I mean, he's been playing poker for over 20 years. You know, not professionally, but I would say, you know, very seriously. And most of the people that I've trained in poker have been beginners, novices, people that really didn't have a firm grasp of some of the more complex elements of the game. So I think it's been a great experience for me. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I hope that he is too. I think that he is. It seems like he is. I just wanted to share that new adventure with you guys. And I'm hoping that I can get my quote-unquote student to come on the podcast as a guest and we can talk about what he is learning and what we're working on together and maybe we can share the experience with the listeners. Let me know if that's something you guys might be interested in peeling back the curtain on. And again, the best way to reach me is via Twitter at Clayton Comic. All right, let's do some strategy. This is a hand that I took from the old tournamentpokeredge.com forums. A TPE user by the name of Just For Fun, and four is spelled F-O-U-R. Makes me think maybe he plays a little Omaha. But Just For Fun writes that he's in the money at the final table of a Chicago charitable tournament. Now, first things first, guys. I don't know what that means. What is a Chicago charitable tournament? I'm assuming it takes place in Chicago. Uh, There are cash prizes in this tournament, so I don't know if it's maybe like a 50-50 raffle. Half the money goes to charity, and that makes it okay for gambling to happen in the eyes of that state of Illinois or something. I'm just guessing here, but I can tell you it's a $260 buy-in and that there are only four players left and there's 9000 up top for first place. But guess what, guys? Fourth place pays 4000 So to me, that's a pretty strange <laughs> pay structure. We're down to four players and for fourth place, we're going to get 4K. For first place, you only get 9K. I mean, I don't know. I'm old school. I feel like flat payout structures kind of take some of the fun out of the game. I remember in the old days when a full 50% of the prize pool on the World Poker Tour would go just to first place and then 25% to second place and the other 25% was split among the remaining top 10% of the field. So obviously we have changed that quite a bit. We pay more than 10% of the fields now and uh, clearly the payouts themselves are very very flat so uh, it's a little strange but anyway this is what we're working with ostensibly third place is going to pay i don't know 5500 and second place would be 7000 i guess i don't know it's it's just a strange strange payout structure but here we go 
the stacks are 1.3 million, 1.3 million, 1.6 million, and 1.7 million. So you know what? Why don't we just chop it, guys? You know, we're all going to make about the same amount of money anyway, and we all have decent stacks. The blinds are 20,000, 40,000, with again a 20,000 big blind ante. So we saw this in a hand that I reviewed last week as well. I don't know if this is a thing that's going on in the Midwest or whatever, but yeah, 20,000 big blind ante when the big blind is 40,000. So the big blind ante is equal to the small blind rather than the big blind. Maybe this is a trend that we should be looking. Is this something that's going to be happening more and more? But anyway, it means there's 80K in the pot to start. So our chip leader has an M of over 20. And even our short stack has over 30 big blinds. So maybe that's why they didn't chop because it didn't feel like a crapshoot or whatever. But I'm impressed that we are this deep at the final table of a charity event because most of the charity events that I've played in have had really fast structures. So by the time you're down to four, it's pretty much everybody has three big blinds and who's going to win the big coin flip. So in this hand, the action folds to hero in the small blind holding the queen of hearts, 10 of hearts. So hero is second in chips. He's the one with 1.6 million. And the villain in this hand, the big blind, has 1.3 million. So he's one of our two short stacks, but he's not that short at all. What do you guys want to do here? It's folded to us in the small blind with queen 10 suited, queen 10 of hearts. Uh, personally, I like to limp with my entire range as a default. I mean, as just for fun describes his opponents at this table, there's really nothing material that we can use to, to inform our decision. Uh, in other words, he doesn't say that Big blind is a rock who folds too much or he's incredibly aggressive. It's basically, you know, people are playing pretty straightforward and they're trying to ladder up and get to that big $9,000 first place prize, which I'm not joking. That's a big prize for a $260 buy-in, especially when ostensibly some amount of the would-be prize pool has gone to a philanthropic cause. Yeah, I just like to limp. I would limp with aces here. I would limp with every hand I want to play, and that's going to be most of the hands. I mean, with the big blind ante being a little smaller, I suppose you could throw away the absolute garbage. But yeah, blind versus blind battles, and you'll see this a lot in the uh, high stakes world or the super high rollers and, and things like that. Just typically, if it's folded to the small blind, we're just limping with everything and then defending fairly vigorously when the big blind exercises his option to raise. So yeah, I would limp here. Um, Hero decides to go for the raise and he makes it 180. Again, the big blind is 40,000. So we're putting in 4.5 big blinds and the big blind calls. So, yeah, I'm not too in love with this sizing here. It feels a little big. I know we want to go a little bigger when we have a big blind defender, especially because he's already he might already feel somewhat invested in the pot. So, yeah, we certainly don't want to go 2x or 2.5x, but I think 3.5 is enough, so this is slightly larger, but I'm not going to quibble with it too much. I still think I prefer limping, especially because don't we want to see a flop with queen 10 suited? Like, come on, why do we want to raise and make him fold dominated hands? 
Or another terrible result would be if we end up getting three bet, because then I think we have to fold queen 10 suited, which would really hurt because the hand has so much potential on the flop. So yeah, I think we just want to be limping. Everything we want to play from the small blind, unless we have a very good reason to do something else. We get called and now there's 380,000 in the middle and the effective stack now in this hand is going to be the villain with about 1.1 million. So we've got an SPR of right around three, which is fine if we happen to hit top pair. And the flop comes king of hearts, queen of clubs, jack of spades. King, queen, jack, rainbow with one heart, hero holding the queen, ten of hearts. So we've got middle pair and an open-ended straight draw. My play on this flop might surprise some of you, but I'm actually checking this. I don't think that we can get called by too many worse hands. We can target a jack X type of hand, but I, I just think that so often our opponent will have us beat when we get called. I mean, we made it 4.5X pre-flop and most opponents would fold a lot of their garbage hands. Um, and they would also call with pairs like pocket fives, pocket sixes. Hands like that are not calling any bet here on the flop. So that means what are we getting called by? Well, I mean, Jack 10 is probably the worst hand we can actually get called by that we're beating at this point. Now, I realize we have a lot of equity, so it's not just what we can beat now, but what we'll be able to beat later. The type of hands that would call the 4.5x open from the big blind with only 1.3 million in their stack, a lot of those hands now have two pair, right? Queen Jack, King Jack. They don't really want to get all in with such a healthy stack and ICM considerations, etc. So what are we getting called by? You know, they're calling 4.5x with hands like Ace Jack, which we can beat at the moment, by the way. King Jack, King Queen. I'm worried about those hands and the fact that villain just can't pay off a lot. I mean, does he call with Jack 9 pre-flop? I don't think so. Does he call with Queen 9 pre-flop? Maybe. There's one hand we can beat. So, yeah, I would just check this flop. Uh, instead, Hero decides to bet 200000 into the 380k pot now i don't really know what this bet is supposed to accomplish but i'm not a fan of this large sizing i think checking is best but if you have to bet you should just bet small maybe we're trying to fold out like i don't know i don't know I, i'm really struggling to come up with a hand that i want to fold like if i bet do i want sevens to fold i kind of don't you know, I, I have sevens crushed right now. <laughs> I can't get anything better than what I have now to fold, I don't think. So yeah, I don't like betting at all. I'm just going to check here. So what happens in the in the actual hand is that just for fun bets 200,000 and villain raises to 475. So it's just almost like a click raise. I mean, what the hell are we supposed to do now? We've got middle pair an open-ended straight draw, and this villain is trying to milk us. I mean, I guess we have to call this and then fold when we check a blank turn and he shoves. Uh, yeah, because he's going to have about a pot size bet remaining. Oh, this is ugly. I mean, we really got ourselves into trouble starting with 
the pre-flop raise and I'm not trying to be results oriented but yeah this I don't like the way this hand is is going at all and I just don't think that he is very often going to a have worse than queen 10 when he makes it 475 and b have a hand that he's not going to just go with now that he's put in about 40 percent of his stack total yeah this is bad i mean we're in a tough spot here i hate this min raise this is brutal i mean i guess we could just shove and see if he wants to make some kind of hero fold because we do block the nuts since we have a 10 in our hand but yeah i think most of the time, especially in a small stakes charity event, you're going to see that players aren't making too many hero folds, even though it's so hard for us to shove without at least a straight. In a $200 buy-in, people aren't going to see it that way. They're going to say, well, I have two pair and I call. So yeah, this is rough. I don't know. I guess I would call and again, you know, be prepared to fold unless I either make a straight or pick up a flush draw on the turn. At that point, I guess I'll be getting close to the right price. But yeah, this is just, this is just brutal. I, I don't like this one at all. So yeah, unfortunately, guys, I don't know exactly what the uh, result of the hand is. Uh, this is where the uh, question on the TPE forum stopped, which, by the way, is typically how these questions are presented on the forums because we don't want to taint other people's answers by revealing the results of the hand in the question so uh, but if you are listening to this just for fun let us know the rest of the hand and i will follow up in a future episode but what do you guys think i mean would you have raised pre-flop blind versus blind with the queen ten of hearts and having flopped king queen jack with one heart do you want to bet half the pot like Hero did, or are you like me on Team Check on the flop? Now that'll do it for this episode, but first I want to give you guys a quick save the date. November 12th, here in New York City, I am recording a comedy album at Westside Comedy Club, and I would love to have some of you guys in the audience. This is going to be a big night. I'm doing an 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show. We're going to have audio, video, camera crew and everything there we need to pack the place so i know that's a long time from now but if you guys live in new york or are planning a trip to the new york city area around november 12th please come to my comedy taping you guys can dm me on twitter at clayton comic for tickets be sure to check out sitesoptimize.com for all of your web design and search engine optimization needs and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart.
Can't read my, can't read my, no she can't 